introduce everyone to Druid Talk Series 2, where we meet experts in the AI, generative AI, robotic process automation, intelligent automation, and conversational AI space. Today, we talk about the secret to higher education excellence using intelligent automation with Brian Richards. According to a report published by Facts and Figures, the US education market was worth a massive US dollar, 1.4 trillion in 2021, and is predicted to grow to 3.2. US trillion dollars by 2030. That's an astonishing number. Brian Richards is founder and director of Nickel's hugely successful Center for Intelligent Process Automation, a venture set up to give college students the training in RPA and intelligent automation, process mapping, and business analysis that they need to have the digital skills that are required to cope in the real world. He is an associate professor, speaker on finance, audit and automation, and an expert in intelligent automation technologies and the US higher education sector. Bryant, welcome to Druid Talks. Thanks, Karen. It's great to be here. Uh, to set the scene a little bit, Bryant, would you mind introducing yourself and telling the audience what you're currently doing, sir? Yeah, I'd be happy to, sure. So um, I have spent 20 plus years in industry um, in accounting and finance. Um, working the roles primarily in internal audit, um, up to executive level roles within that. After that, I, I followed my passion for developing and, and training to, um, I graduated to higher ed uh, here at Nichols College. It's a small business school uh, outside of Worcester, Massachusetts, that really focuses on providing students experiential learning and the skills that they need to be successful in their careers. Um, in that space, I'm an associate professor of accounting and finance. I've spent the last five years um, sort of evaluating what's going to happen with accounting, especially, and have found that uh, there's a really critical, uh, important technology component that is um, that is coming, that is here, but that is missed within higher ed and within curriculums. Um, in response to this gap, I, um, with the support of a number of trustees, and actually the dare I say the, um, the the nudging from a number of our trustees, um, launched the uh, Center for Intelligent Process Automation, aimed at providing consulting research and training um, to our students especially, um, and to our greater community to support uh, the skills gap that we noticed. Um, in addition to that, I'm actually pursuing my PhD in accounting at the University of Scranton. My focus, to no surprise, is on internal audit and accounting um, and the implications of emerging technology. Wow. <laughs> You are not bored. <laughs> let's just say you are not bored. Brian, let's dive in a little bit. Would you tell us a little bit more about the U.S. higher education sector? And is there or is there not a reluctance in uh, adopting new tech in U.S. colleges or universities? Or do they welcome it with open arms? Sure. Um, tough question as it's framed. But, but let me give you some insights that I think will help answer that question a little bit. I think the first, you've already said it at the stage, it's a huge marketplace. It's a hugely important industry um, and it's an old industry, um, but it also has a significant amount of um, variation throughout it. There's a lot of small schools like us. There's a lot of large schools and we provide different roles um, to different demographics. What makes this really compelling and, and interesting too um, is that the, the goal of this industry and the focus has always been uh, knowledge creation and dissemination in various ways, to put simply. And, and if you look at the industry on the whole, it's it's actually really good at it. And we're really hard on ourselves to be better. 
but it's really good at, at that, that, that particular thing. Um, we're approaching what we call a demographic cliff in 2025. It's right around the corner. We've been experiencing a shrinking population of students coming um, to schools, um, at least especially in the United States and in different territories. And as a result, when you do the math, and many have, we're finding that a consolidation of sorts is definitely required within the industry. Now, the last thing I'd like to add to this that I think is a really important point is we're good at some things that I mentioned. No one ever ran a school saying we are going to be operationally excellent and efficient. We're going to have the best back office procedures and the best, most, you know, technologically advanced type of ways of conducting business. When you when you hear that, hopefully, you know, you can start seeing how the word reluctant may not necessarily fit. Um, you might think to yourself, well, it's not that they're reluctant. They would love technology solutions, but we don't usually have the skills, the mindset, the, the culture um, to know how to embrace these things as an organization and implement them successfully. Huh. What, you, what you will find is that um, in pockets, especially whether it's faculty-led or pilot-led, um, there's a lot of folks doing really amazing things within higher ed on this stuff. Uh, do, you, do you think in general, though, the U.S. education sector would benefit from intelligent automation, generative AI, conversational AI, or are these nice to have and there's a different, better way? Yes. Uh, two reasons. One, it's already well set up. Um, we are not efficient. And if you were looking at any organization, you would find that higher ed, like some of these other older, slowly moving organizations, there's just a lot of um, opportunity to eliminate waste, to improve, um, to, to minimize errors, to improve responsivity. Every one of the use cases within these um, types of technologies that have already been proven out um, would work and would be plug and play, very effective if you could get the organization to successfully deploy it. 100%, um, this would be a savior to many organizations in many ways, especially in light of the great resignation where many folks are switching jobs and keeping talent is harder. Um, in addition to that, what you're going to find is if you look at the educational component of some of these technologies, we at Nichols College have, have, have really shocked ourselves. And one of the reasons we, we led the, with the center um, was that teaching with these tools is an experiential way to get business students and, and frankly, other students um, an experience and a knowledge that we couldn't do in other methods. And then finally, what we're seeing with uh, especially just conversational AI is um, as much as as faculty, we try to sort of be everything to every student and we try to be as flexible as we can. There's a concept of universal design that is impossible to follow as a human being. You can't be everything to every student and match your activities with their learning style. But AI can learn to do that or AI can be a tool to do that. Uh, we just started a number of us um, piloting uh, the, the, the introduction of conversational AI um, in our, a lot of our classes as a supplement resource, as a guide to enhance critical thinking skills, um, and, and, and as a research tool. And um, we believe strongly that as time goes on, um, we can get the students learning better because it gives some of the students a tool that fills in a gap that we couldn't. Oh, wow. Wow. Almost like personalized education. Almost a, like a moment ago, you went, you said there's there's use cases. 
But what AI use cases exist in the higher education space that, that you're talking about? Sure. So I, I want to start with, um, you know, there's some tried and true ones regarding uh, analysis of data, right? So if we're looking at, um, you know, why do our students succeed? Who succeeds? Who should we recruit? Where should we recruit from? If you look at the pipeline of um, their most, I think, one of our most important things we do, which is student success. Um, uh, analyzing the data historically of all the people who've come here, where they've come from and, and, and maybe what their you know, demographics were, how they, how they did in high school or, you know, and, and then really trying to figure out which students we're best suited for, how do we get the best results and how do we make sure we find more of those students or, or learn about how to help maybe the other students who are not so successful with. I mean, that, that's a use case that's, that's already started in a lot of ways. I think we could be a lot better at that. And I think we really need AI to dig into that data. I don't think a person can ask all the questions in time to get, to get those answers. Um, I think that's, that's a really tried and true one in terms of artificial intelligence. Um, what about examples of AI or automation that you or the students have implemented inside of Nichols or outside of Nichols? And what were the key things that you learned doing that, Brian? Oh, sure. So, so it's funny. One of the key things we've learned just to start is this developing the solution is actually really easy. There's use cases out there that are just uh, astoundingly easy. And I'll give you an example. Um, we have a situation where there's a number of utility bills that come in based on every piece of property we have. And somebody has to punch them into um, an Excel file to, to keep track of them and to assess them and, you know, and, and make sure that um, one, they're right, two, that we understand the trends and three, we can, you know, manage our utilities in an efficient way. Um, we use just using Power Automate, we were able to collect all of those utility bills in different forms. Um, and then we were able to pull in some cases invoices as they came in scanned um, into um, the um, artificial intelligence uh, builder within uh, the Power Automate environment. And it automatically, we taught it to automatically recognize the invoices. And now all the data can come in and all of the data can automatically be read and, and punched into an Excel and then visualized using a dashboard, um, which, which dynamically updates. And, and to be honest, that solution is fairly easy to develop. Um, and, 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 and other sort of um, related solutions around, you know, clicking or collecting information or formatting information, which exists throughout purchasing and, and registration. And frankly, every, every click we make throughout this school, um, financials, things like that. Wow. Wow. Cause that's the thing. I think people from the outside, you know, someone who doesn't know automation, be thinking that's quite complex. You've described it as matter of fact, where does it sit on the chain there? Complex to do easy to do. I can very quickly teach uh, a first-year student how to do that in a couple of weeks. Well, they well can, that shows you what a business person could do as well. They could very easily, um, without deep understanding, create the solution. They could they could create it, um, and it would probably take you know some of my folks. It, it might take a, a forty hours to build up the solution I just explained. Uh, maybe eighty, depending on the the complexity of the inputs coming in, which is really, you've got to keep building to kind of match those inputs a little bit. Um, deployment is where it's actually really challenging. Um, you know, teaching a student how to have the experience uh, to deploy and implement 
means you have to be comfortable with change management. You have to be comfortable with project management. Um, you need buy-in from certain folks. You need to start building projects around that. Um, and although we work with some folks who are, um, dare I say, execution-oriented in certain departments, um, some departments aren't really well set up to handle that. So even though you can build the solution and it sounds easy, the deployment can be a challenge. It really can. That's the hard part. That's the bit, that's the bit they say, isn't it? The change management is absolutely key. If we go back a little bit, you mentioned earlier on conversational AI. Uh, do you think conversational AI is a technology that can really work? Because you mentioned one example, but where can it fit? Does it fit? You know, what can you actually do with that tech? I love it. My head's exploding with uh, use cases as I keep digging, it, digging into this. This, this stuff's blown my blown my mind. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, wow. So let me start with this. I was in class the other day. And it was a small class and it's actually an automation class. And I was teaching the students how to do um, um, governance, RPA governance. So we're talking about that. And so as we're talking in class, I said, okay, you need, you need to come up with a framework that you feel comfortable you can use to evaluate some companies. I said, why don't you sit for 10 minutes with the, the, the four of you and, and compare your the thoughts and try to get a high level framework that you all feel can work for you, which is a complex thing for an undergrad you know, to get at, but they've done a lot of research. And while they did that, I went on to uh, ChatGPT and I asked ChatGPT to create two different cases. And as I'm clicking away and um, they're, they're asking that in 10 minutes later, I had two separate companies with great detail for which they could now apply that for their presentation. 10 minutes to build two cases that were literally three pages long, full of detail. I had quotes, I had insights, I had you know, key performance indicators, estimated statistics. Uh, I mean, I, I would have spent hours online digging for that before. That was just 10 minutes in class. But that's lovely in so many ways. You know, the augmentation, not the replacement of educators. You know, the fact that they didn't have to go away and spend six months getting all that research data. Now they can get on with the real work, for want of a better phrase. Uh, what advice would you give, Brian, higher education institutes thinking about starting their digital journey? Number one, stop thinking and start. Just, just do it. Start somewhere. Um, you have to start. Um, it might be the hardest thing. If um, you can't figure out how to start, just go small. Start somewhere. Uh, I, I think you'll find that there's folks who can do something. You can. You, you need to start building up a new collective, uh, dare I say, uh, cultural um, perspective and understanding of what this is. Um, you know, the more the, the the institution has awareness and understanding, uh, the easier it is going to be to deploy as time goes on. Um, and every organization has different risks and challenges and strengths. And so some might actually be able to go invest like a lot of organizations did and having consultants come in and, you know, build out some streams for them. Um, others might, um, like what we did was we built from our students up and, and our faculty. And so now we have the students almost leading and, and the smartest, the smartest, some of the smartest folks outside of the IT department on this are, in fact, our students um, who are, you know, going in and helping, you know, some of the athletics teams, um, you know, with small automations. They're they're going to classes, doing demonstrations. They're literally using automation to do research and and other things to make, um, you know, to, to make their lives easier and, and, and frankly, the, their time better spent. Um, so definitely start. Um, and if you have to start small. Oh, I really like that. I really like that in so many ways. It goes back to the experiential component of education learning as well. 
the faculties have got raw materials in the students. The students need skills that prepare them for the digital world and the combination of the two sounds like a really fantastic combination. I'm surprised more don't jump on that. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've spoken with a lot of schools. I guess it's a little harder to, to start something like this than, than I thought. And we get a lot of support from the top all the way down. So anything in higher ed really requires layers and layers of support. And I'll insist there's so many people along the way who, who ensured that this was successful for us, including the students. Um, so if you think about how many stakeholders it involves, I think that alignment um, is, is, is sort of the magic we brought, right? We had everybody, everybody wanted to do this. And, and that's, I don't know, you get 20 people in a room, 20 different stakeholders, good luck getting them all to check that box, I think. Um, yeah, 100%. But I will tell you this, to no surprise, um, the best the best thing we do is is what we do for our students and you know although we have automations to talk about and interesting stories and and um, some new you know um, tools that make us a little more efficient um, you might not be surprised to find out that our students are very marketable once they have these skills and they really enjoy taking offers from multiple companies when they graduate just where i needed to be as a graduate instead i tried to hunt for my first job and what about companies themselves you were talking about those just as you finished the sentence there what advice would you give them to get the best ROI out of conversational AI and intelligent automation? Mm -hmm. Wow, I, you know, my mind goes to, it depends on the company in some cases, um, but use cases matter. Uh, the neat thing is there's a lot of folks working on this and my mind always goes to, and the research always goes to, um, you know, it might be fun to build, it might be great to play around and explore things and. And a lot of folks start that way. Um, but given the amount of collective knowledge we have, not only in the research, but in industry right now, you know, there's tried and true use cases that really matter. They get huge return on investments. The cake is baked. We know how to be successful with them. We don't have to be the first to be there. Pick those. Pick one of those. Get get your wins and, and start with that. I mean, you can you can be conservative all you want and just just do those types of things. I think you'll find that. There's a really low risk approach to this that has high rewards without without investing too much of various types of capital. And I think that is a tr such a true statement because companies sometimes worry about where to begin and what they'll do next. I hope they think about what to do next, but the, the vendors have all these things worked out over the last eight to 10 years. And there may actually be more that you do once you've implemented and got that flywheel start to spin that you can actually find. I love I love that, Karen. And if I could just follow up on that, one of the one of the most impactful things we've seen with everyone we've talked to in the last five years or shown things to or 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 do demonstrations or work for is it always comes down to once they see something, they always say the next thing, which is, hey, could you do or could this do? Right. And so just getting out there and, and again, start that journey, um, you'll you'll learn. And the people in industry are really smart at their industries, right? But they're not really sure how this fits yet. But seeing it, all of a sudden, then they start taking ownership for it. And then they can start adapting it to their organization as it makes a lot more sense for them. Yeah, I love the way they do that. I absolutely love that. That light bulb moment that just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Brian, if people want to find out a little bit more about you and the fantastic work that CEPA are doing, how, how do they do so? Yeah, sure. So I'm always available on LinkedIn. I love new connections, especially in this space. I love sharing and learning. Um, so please, Bryant Richards at, at, at LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Bryant Richards out there. Um, so I might be pretty easy to find. Of course, I'm the only Bryant Richards at Nichols College. 
Uh, if you're looking for more information on the Center for Intelligent Process Automation, there is a website out there with a lot of news and kind of gives you a sense for what students have been working on. And that's at cipa.nichols.edu. Fantastic, sir. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Bryant, I, I'm inspired. If only I had that same education background when I was a student coming out with real practical conversational AI, robotic process automation, intelligent automation, process mining, change management, business experience. I'd have been worth the fortune. It's no wonder your students are in high demand. Uh, and I suspect you have a little more than something to do about that as well, knowing you and knowing the SEPA program and knowing Nichols College as well. Brian, that was a tour de force when it comes to higher education and the benefits of all of those intelligent automation technologies. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for your kind words. I appreciate it. Have a great day, everyone.